Thank you, everyone. Um, I'm back. I just would like to um, continue what we were talking about, the uh, three kinds of doubts. And I wanted to make this separate uh, because I wanted to first explain the concept of the three doubts and then uh, work into the actual medicine that is prescribed or the uh, medicinal way of removing these three doubts according to Grandmaster Tiantai. So as we went through the three types of doubt that we have is for one's body, one's teacher, and for the Dharma itself. And Master Tiantai, of course, gives us inference into what those three doubts are, uh, what the uh, negative side effects are uh, of having them, because again, this is not the doubt that we're talking about concerning uh, the truth of Buddhism. What it is is concerning the practice, where if we become disciples of the Buddha, we should, of course, have the faith in the Buddha's practice and that what he attained was uh, true liberation. Now, how that, how that truth or liberation is interpreted, etc., is not what is in debate or is to be doubted in this situation. It has to do with the premise of practice, which is what the Makashikan is based on. So if we are attached to these three types of doubts, um, he gives us some insight into how we should perhaps perceive them. And the first, of course, with the doubt of body or the doubt of oneself or yourself uh, to attain enlightenment, going, uh, you know, the you know the proverbial I'm no good um, of course when you're young uh, people have not experienced enough life to have any regrets or doubts about their ability um, otherwise again I think nature does that on purpose but as we get older you know and having made mistakes perhaps not done things as we had wished and also seeing a perception of reality um, come a little more clear in knowing uh, our flaws as well as hopefully our abilities but again it can become daunting that we can become jaded in which we can come to a point that we may think that we're not good enough and again I've used the experience where I've uh, talked to people and they've specifically said that they're not good enough to practice Buddhism uh, so uh, this particular type of cop-out uh, is is a way that uh, people avoid perhaps practicing Buddhism as well but he says that if we do have this first doubt concerning ourselves, we should, in quote, have this idea that my body is like a rich but blind baby. It is endowed with the unsurpassed treasure of the Dharma, body, but it is blinded by passionate affliction. So it's interesting because we are, first of all, identifying uh first and foremost, the, the premise of Buddhism that we have Buddha nature. Uh, that is not something externally that we're bringing internally. It's something internally that we come to a realization of through the practice of Buddhism. And, uh, and that then realization gives us the energy and, um, uh, how do you say, forward moment, momentum to continue and study our practice. Uh, but the idea of the blind baby, meaning that we are not able to see correctly the world based on our passionate afflictions. Of course, as we stated before, the passionate afflictions come through and are identified through the five senses um, that we have with our body. And that we then come to realize that we have not yet opened our eyes to the path. Of course, it's interesting, the eyes 
uh, of course, relating back to the five senses, uh, that what we perceive through our eyes is, of course, faulty. And then again, based on a faulty premise in our mind, we interpret it a certain way. Uh, and if we constantly live our lives like that without realizing the the true nature of ourselves, our birthright, hence the word, the use of the baby uh, idea, that we cannot realize that we are Buddha. So therefore, we, we at some point in our life, uh, when we're young, we may think that we deserve everything. And then when as we get older, we may just think that we deserve nothing and that there is absolutely nothing except to uh, be born, uh, to become ill, to pay taxes, uh, and to become uh, and to die in, in old age and die. It sounds like a very uh, sad uh, reason for life itself. So therefore, we understand that there is a deeper purpose uh, to our existence, that of a Buddha nature, that we should cultivate and practice the path of the Buddha, or in the end, I cannot discard doubt Again, the proper conditions to practicing the path as a human being, which of course being born as a human being, we should value simply that this is a wonderful manifestation that we can um, spend time to invest in spirituality for the benefit of all other sentient beings uh, are not constituted for immeasurable eons. Why should I doubt myself and lose this timely opportunity of having this great opportunity of birth to um, and, and situation to first of all if you're listening to this to even know that Buddhism exists um, to know that there is a Buddha who attained enlightenment and that there is a teaching a way that we can attain this together um, it is difficult in Buddhism the concept to be born as a human in a human body uh, and then of course it is extremely difficult uh, to arouse the mind that is an awe of the Buddha and Dharma. So that awe is that idea of faith, um, that when we see the Buddha, uh, it's a shining hope, shining light of our potential, and that every day for myself, I'm constantly in awe. That's why to practice and to teach and to study uh, Buddhism, because I have this natural awe uh, of the Buddha's attainment, but my belief uh, that it exists through the affirmation of my life allows me to sustain and grow my faith and, and practice. Because as Nietzsche and Shoni said, without learning and practicing, there is no Buddhism. So it says, I should not be deluded by doubt and thus destroy and damage myself. So even though we as Buddhists uh, have a very different idea of self, and, and again, this is the self-ignorance that we're overcoming. That is the blindness that we have uh, as a blind baby. But that we should acknowledge or understand the gem within our clothing. That we are indeed rich uh, because we are able to find that Buddha nature. And that we can stop uh, scavenging and, 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 and living in a, a low base nature of grasping at empty demons or empty phantoms of, of ego. The second is then the doubt your of your teacher. And he states that if you have this doubt of your teacher, you should think to yourself, I now am without wisdom. Because again, there's this kind of humbleness that is required to practice Buddhism that you don't know everything. 
uh, and that we are this blind baby, but yet we are extremely rich when we realize we have our Buddha nature. And as we grow in acknowledgement of that, as in the parable of the um, kind of, they call it the prodigal son, the returning of the son to find out that his father was indeed a rich man uh, or of the hidden gem, hidden jewel. Um, we realize what our true birthright is, that of a Buddha, a potential Buddha. And if we acknowledge that we are without wisdom, it's a good place to start. Because if you already know, then that is, there is no need for you to study and practice Buddhism in that way. And it says, superior sages and great people have all sought the Dharma without being attached to the person who taught the Dharma. That means that they, um, we are, in, in, in many ways, we are attached to the Dharma. We believe in the Dharma because the Dharma is what sustains us, not necessarily in a single person. The sage of the Himalaya, the Himalaya, the Himalayas followed a demon, Daksa, in seeking verses on the Dharma. And Indra, who is the creation, founded, venerated a herder of cattle. Uh, it says, and this is a famous quote, which you'll see sometimes in Nietzsche and Shonen's writings, and this is from the Ta, uh, Tachi Turun, uh, which says, Do not throw away the gold because it is in a smelly bag. Arrogance is like a tall mountain on which rain does not remain. Humility is like the rivers and the ocean. The waters of all the rivers gather into the sea. That means that working through another person, we see uh, a different perspective, a different awareness uh, of someone who is also on the path. And we go back to the concept of the good spiritual friend. That it says that we should even respect evil teachers for the sake of the Dharma. Because it's interesting, you may say, well, wait a second. Um, and, and we see this in, in modern times, but that actually um, the student-teacher relationship is a two-way uh, kind of responsibility and, and actually it's extremely and, and being on the teacher side and the student side I, I believe that it's one it's the most important relationship that we have in our life because it basically um, allows us to um, have a responsibility for someone uh, towards someone with someone in our practice and this comes back to actually a type of accountability, which actually you don't really have often in life. So um, it's essential. And it says, if you look at people's appearance, you will see that they are not of uniform appearance. Wisdom like that of the Tathagata is uniform for all people. Shariputra said, from now on, I will not judge by people's appearance and say that this person will be reborn in samsara, and that person will enter into nirvana. There's a very deep meaning in this, and that it is you should constantly arouse honor and respect towards the Tathagatas, that's the Buddhas, another name for the Buddha, of the past, present, and future, and that your teachers are future Buddhas. So how can we disparage them? How can we be against them? That even if we want to look at the idea of evil people, and this is what they're probably referring to as evil teachers, we look at uh, the chapter on Devidatta, chapter 12 of the Lotus Sutra. Devidatta, of course, was the Buddha's cousin and the Buddha's arch enemy. 
in that he did everything and spent every moment of his day thinking on how to overthrow the Buddha and destroy the Sangha. So the Buddha always, uh, and this is why that chapter is so phenomenal, uh, amazing in the Lotus Sutra, is that it shows that even these evil people were once our great teachers, deserve respect, and that they have the potentiality in the future to become a Buddha. And then finally, if we have doubt concerning the Dharma, the medicine that the kind of uh, medicine or um, herbs that Master Chantai gives us is that this means that we have not really yet opened the Dharma, I. That means understood or seen the Dharma for what it is, the teaching of the Buddha, and not and have not yet discriminated between what is right and wrong. Now, a lot of modern Buddhists like to put that there's no right, no wrong, etc. But in my practice, one of the things that I've come to concentrate and understand, and this is the idea of faith, that why faith is the entry point to one's practice, is that the... Um, idea that we understand that the Buddha's teaching, the Buddha Dharma, is substantial uh, and sustaining and unable to be destroyed, and, and that is the only actual truth that's able to be uh, not destroyed, not um, uh, perish, not pass away, and that it's the only thing, like a rope, uh, that we can hold on as truth in this world. It's an amazing uh, understanding and, and realization. And it says, thus we must rely on the Dharma by faith. And of course, the, the concept or the big word of faith is in this situation, meaning to open our eyes to the reality of the Dharma. The Lotus Sutra, of course, says that Shavakas do not have wisdoms. Those are the Buddha's original teachers. So they enter enlightenment by faith. So even the Buddha's disciples that were always around them <coughs> needed this faith to enter into the practice. We are, as a blind or of darkened sight, if we do not have faith in the Dharma, on what do we take refuge? What can we take refuge? And we use the word refuge because that is where we sustain ourselves during uh, all of the hailstorms and thunderstorms and tornadoes and natural disasters of our life that we can <coughs> seek refuge so that we don't perish in the, um, in, the, in the situation. We will sink down without knowing in what to rely. That's why, again, I use the concept of the rope. I always picture myself when I'm chanting the Daimoku as the rope of the Lotus Sutra, of the Dharma, of the Buddhist teaching, is the only sustainable thing to lift us out of this uh, pit of suffering. And... There's an example of uh, a disciple named Upagupta uh, who told the disciple to climb a tree to test his faith. If in your mind you have faith in the Dharma, the Dharma will permeate your mind. If you wallow alone in your doubt, this is the same as a vessel that has overturned and spilled its contents. So it means basically we've emptied ourselves out of any any purpose or understanding and again, the Buddha Dharma is not telling you a particular dogma, but a particular, uh, how do you say, mindset, a particular element of nature uh, that we come to realize both in ourselves and in others through uh, the practice and study of Buddhism. So these are the neutralizing, uh, neutralizing uh, medicines for these basic uh, impairments that we have based on the five desires, which again, 
uh, envelop, as I'll say, the three poisons of greed, hatred, and ignorance in which kind of connect us or bind us, uh, as we would say in New York, like cement shoes, um, you know, that we are unable to bring ourselves out of our uh, selves, so to speak, and, and, and approach the Dharma uh, in body, uh, heart, mind, spirit, uh, and then to find a teacher, a practice, to be able to see the Buddha in others, uh, see the Buddha in ourselves, and then also, of course, understand and find faith in the Dharma. So, I hope this gave you a little bit more of a clarification, uh, that we had the issues of doubts, and then this are the remedies that uh, Master Chantai uh, gives us uh, for those doubts. So I hope this has been useful to all of you. So thank you very much. Namu myoho renge kyo.